Hello, listeners. Hello. We're we're back. We are back for episode two. Thank you all for thank you to those who tuned in for episode one for our deep dive of Breakaway. We appreciate the love and the support. Yeah, no, the outpouring. <laughs> yes, the outpouring. So the outpouring of um, people that really excited to talk about the chunky highlight era of <laughs> of pop music. Um, Blake, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Uh, you know, I am doing well. It's been a busy week. You know, I am still in college. Uh, so I'm a senior in college right now. So just... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a lot going on. Still, still a student. Uh, I'm studying to be a teacher. So I'm currently doing my apprentice teaching as well as while finishing up my final sort of studio credits and all of my regular classes. It's been a busy week, but a wonderful one regardless. Uh, I went to see Hello Goodbye at the Bottom Lounge here in Chicago last night. A wonder- Which is a amazing venue. Yes. Please go see an artist you like at the Bottom Lounge. It's great. Yes. Yes, Quinn, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Um, <laughs> yesterday, um, so my roommate, uh, her little brother, he is turning six in November, but um, he pulled he pulled the ultimate Scorpio move and refused to have a birthday in November <laughs> because you can't necessarily have a birthday party outside. So it was his birthday party yesterday, um, and it was a uh, Mario party themed. And um, my roommate um, made forced her boyfriend to dress up in this giant <laughs> Mario costume. And he ran around and was playing with the kids. And it was hysterical. He also almost beat um, all the children in musical chairs. <laughs> and then he had to <laughs> remind himself in the final two that that is, we let the children win. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I got going on. I'm not in college, so. <laughs> I just work for one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but any in any case, any the case. matter at hand... October 30th, 2020 was the day Republic was the record label and Positions was the album. The artists you ask, Ariana Grande. So Blake, what do you think about Positions? Yeah, that is a great question, Quinn. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think about just my initial sort of reaction when Positions was announced. So we're going to have to go back in time to October 2020. And what a time. What a time. It was to go back. Yes. In a time of political unrest and turmoil, it was, we were at, as a country, in a very different place with COVID than we are now. So October 2020, definitely not, not the best of times, not the best of times. I, that was not a great month for me. But I remember there being rumors all throughout the month that Ariana Grande was going to release a new album. And there, I heard people talking about it on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram. And then she did it. A week before Positions dropped, she announced, I'm releasing an album next week. And I can't remember what her exact phrasing was on Twitter. She was just like, I'm just surprised dropping an album. And we were like, cool. You know? Well, no, because she released the song Positions. Mm-hmm. With, like, the music, like, that was yeah. already done. And mm-hmm. then she was like, oh, and next week the whole album's coming. Yeah. So it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <It> was... <laughs> Going from zero to 100 real fast. Yeah. It was it was unexpected, but you know what? 
we're here for it, and we are here to talk about it today. And so yeah, it feels interesting to talk about, especially with last week with Breakaway, since that album came out in 2004. So we had over 15 years to really sit with it and process it, and we have all have very specific memories with it. And so it feels kind of different, but I think also really intriguing to talk about an album that's new. It's not even a year old yet. And also an album that Ariana has not really been able to do press for in the traditional sense. She hasn't been able to tour this record. So it very much, it feels like an album, but also it feels like she hasn't had the opportunity to really be able to like bring it to life yet. You know, there's been no positions tour. You know, it's still... It's still very new. It's still very new. And overall, I think the record, it's it's nice. It's nice. I feel like, which it feels interesting to say, but I feel like it kind of marks the point in Ariana's career where she, I think Thank You Next especially was such a mammoth record just personally, chart-wise, just in sort of the terms of the pop culture conversation that this is kind of, that was her moment where Aren't she kind of cemented herself as a legend and I feel like Positions is kind of her first album where she's like this is what I'm gonna this is the album that I'm gonna make and if you like it great if you don't I don't give a fuck like I am making this for me and it's definitely it feels a lot calmer it's definitely I think instrumentally it's a lot more kind of laid back thematically it focuses a lot on sex and sort of a lot of just kind of the intricacies of romantic relationships. And, you know, it was not what I initially expected her uh, follow-up to Thank You Next to be, but I still think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about here. I think there's some things that work really well. I think there's some things that don't work so well. And so that's what we're going to dive into. Yeah, I think uh, in looking at, well, why do we choose to do positions at this time? I think what we want this project to be about is traversing the pop music landscape. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, Positions is, you know, the latest big album from arguably the biggest pop star working right now. And I I didn't really think much about until doing this deep dive. This is our introduction to Ariana Grande on this podcast. And that in and of itself is very interesting. She's had such a storied career that has had a lot of really troubling, traumatizing moments incorporated. And Positions is sort of like the denouement. Like, Thank You, Next, and Sweetener were kind of her opening up and addressing her trauma and really kind of going to these dark spaces that her life has brought her to. And Positions is really the you know the final statement of the growth that she's gone through and you know she actually she recently just got married but at the time this was her fiance Dalton Gomez and so a lot of this album is really about you can very easily sort of parallel it to her real life and the what she must have been going through with Dalton Gomez it feels like a very cohesive uh, maturation of this artist that, you know, if you have been following her for several years, um, this album, I think, makes a lot of sense. And stylistically, this is really um, an inflection point for her also, because this is really, at its core, I think, an R&B album. And it's using a lot of references from the 90s and stacked vocals and 
kind of that lo-fi vibe. I do think it's interesting. Um, <laughs> my cat is named Mariah Carey, so I, I feel a bit of a bias towards Mariah Carey. But um, Mariah Carey, uh, Ariana Grande was compared to Mariah Carey a lot in the beginning of her career, um, vocally and just stylistically. And Mariah Carey does not like to be uh, referenced in that way. And so the two of them have been kind of at odds for most of Ariana Grande's career. And um, she, you know, refused to be asked about Mariah Carey in interviews. And, you know, there's been a real distance between those two artists. But recently, you know, they've, they've made up and they've collaborated and they seem to be on good terms now. And so I was kind of interested in positions, I think it's, very directly related to a lot of the stuff Mariah was doing in the late 90s, particularly, you know, makes me think of the Butterfly and Rainbow albums of Mariah Carey. And, you know, Ariana Grande is using her whistle register a lot more, and that's something that Mariah Carey really popularized and is associated with. So I, I almost saw this as, like, Ariana giving into those artists that clearly influenced her a lot, but she wasn't really able to own liking them as much because she was trying to establish her own career and her own identity. And I think it's cool to watch her embrace those influences now and sell it in, in some really great ways. So that's also kind of what came to mind when I was listening to this album as well. And it it's interesting. I guess I'm not a huge Ariana stan, so I don't. I'm not totally up to date with what the Arianators is that what they call yeah, them? Yeah, the Arianators. The Arianators are feeling, but I was seeing a lot of like data and just the feeling was that Positions was a flop, and it was not you know a, a great album that was well received. And I I just I'm a little puzzled by that because if you look at the numbers, if you look at you know, the songs themselves. Like, I don't think this is a flop. This is a pretty solid offering. And I, I do think it's more relaxed and I think at times, frankly, boring. But um, this is a, a interesting album for her to release during COVID. I think it's the right album to release during COVID. I think a lot of the other big pop stars, you know, like Dua Lipa with Future Nostalgia and The Weeknd with After Hours, their albums dropped like right at the beginning of COVID or, you know, right after it started. And they've sort of launched into these massive prolonged eras where they're touring these albums and the singles are still charting. They're just these really long, drawn out eras that are going to be, I think, ultimately very defining of each of their careers. And Positions, which came out, you know, after the pandemic had been going on for so long, I think Positions is not necessarily what Ariana Grande is looking to be, like, a pillar of her career. I think it's supposed to just be a fun album that tells her love story and is her, you know, playing around and experimenting with things and singing about stuff as a grown woman would experience them in the world today. So I, it really felt like... A, a deviation, but an interesting deviation from the other big pop albums from big pop stars right now. And so I think, in that sense, it occupies a really special place in the zeitgeist. And I found it to be enjoyable, maybe less on a track-by-track -track basis, but more I, I like the idea of positions, and I think it's only going to age better. And there's a, a lot of great songs she can reach back to in her catalog for when she does go on tour. And I'm excited to see... 
uh, what, how positions evolves and how it does age, because I think it um, is a little maligned right now, and I don't know that it deserves all that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think definitely, I think even revisiting this album almost a year later, now that the hype has died down, now knowing that Ariana Grande's highly anticipated follow-up to Thank You Next is Positions. Like, we have it, this is what the album is, and if you like it, again, you like it. If you like, if you don't like it, you don't. It. I, I definitely agree with a lot with what you just said and that this definitely feels like with where Ariana is at this point in her life, this felt very appropriate. And this really seems like an album that she wanted to make. Like, it feels very much her. She sounds like she's having fun. Yeah, she's having fun. And it very much, it kind of reminds me of like a grown-up, sort of more mature version of Yours Truly, which was her debut album, which had a lot of those kind of like 90s R&B influences, though it took a very much kind of more bubblegum pop approach to it. Oh yeah, that's very reminiscent of 90s powerhouse diva. Yeah. That's kind of yours truly's thing. It was Mm -hmm. very referential, probably to her detriment. I mean, it took her a really long time to establish herself Mm -hmm. in the, the pop world. And I think that largely stems from yours truly being so referential. Yeah, for sure. And so in terms of what my personal relationship with this album has been, I'm a huge fan of R&B. I really like the sort of moody, atmospheric uh, sound um, that is really hit, and sometimes successfully, sometimes not successfully on this album. I'm also a huge fan of Ty Dolla Sign. Uh, he also released an album around this time called Featuring Ty Dolla Sign. It's a very good album. Feel free to check that out if you need something new to listen to. But uh, a lot of these um, producers and uh, writers that she's working with have uh, been around for a long time. I mean, even, you know, she has a collaboration with The Weeknd on this album. And he they had a duet that was uh, the first top ten hit The Weeknd had ever. Um, and so that was kind of fun to call back to that. And so when Positions came out, I'm definitely a fan. Uh, I liked I liked the vibe of the album, and so I clicked on it and played it all the way through. And I don't think I thought about it again for uh, until this project. Uh, but a couple of the songs have worked their way onto some of my playlists. I think some of this stuff is really the best she's ever done. Uh, and other stuff is among the most forgettable throwaway stuff she's ever done. So uh, this has been a really fun to understand positions as a work because I think beforehand it was just a couple songs that I liked and the rest of it I didn't really see the big picture so yeah this has been really cool to look at this as a piece of art rather than just something that gets put on rotation Mm -hmm. on my Spotify yeah for sure for sure And so, yeah, I think, again, I think I had a very similar relationship with it where I listened to it the night that it came out. I listened to it a couple times through. And I was like, I like this. There are a couple of standout songs. It stayed in my rotation for, like, the first week or so after it came out. But, like, where I feel like Thank You Next, like, I would consider myself, I wouldn't consider myself a Ariana Grande stan. But That's, like, a full-time job. That's a full-time job. I am not (laughs) I don't have enough time. (laughs) Yeah. I am not at that level, but definitely Thank You Next is an album that I really love. It came out at a very it came out at a very trying time in my life, and so I very much resonated with it 
I think Ariana Grande was my top Spotify artist for 2019. Okay, apparently I'm in the top one or like two or three yeah, percent of Ariana Grande listeners. Which again, like, do they not use Spotify? Like, I cannot believe I'm the biggest fan, but mm-hmm. I maybe. No, I think I'm in the top two or top three percent as well. Oh, I'm outpaced. <laughs> But yeah, so I think definitely like that was that was an era where I just like I always liked her, but like Thank You Next was really the era where I'm like, wow, you are truly incredible. And so, but yeah, with positions, I was like, this is good. I like this, but it's definitely going back to it. It's been it's been a fun revisit, and it's one that I it's a release that I'm definitely glad that I did a deep dive on and am paying more attention to. I think there are definitely things about it that I did not notice the first couple of times that I listened to it when it first came out. And so, yeah, I think knowing that this is what position is and having that time and that space from it and coming back to it with kind of whatever preconceived notions or expectations of what I wanted Ariana's next record to be and coming back into it was just, it was a really nice experience and I am excited to get into it. Alrighty, so now that we've talked a little bit about sort of our personal relationships to the record, talking about where this album kind of stands in Ariana Grande's career and how it's its impact a year later, now I think it's time for us to get into it track by track. We're diving in. We are diving in. And again, um, if, if you are very familiar with this album, this will probably make a lot of sense. Uh, but we do recommend listening to the album ahead of this, so it's fresh on your mind. But no need to if you just want if you want our commentary first to know which songs to skip. That's another angle you could go mm-hmm. for. <laughs> um, so track one, shut up. Shut up. What a statement. What a statement. Yeah, I. I'm a big fan of this song. I think it's a the right intro for this project. Um, I did, if you're a big Positions fan, I recommend looking at Ariana Grande's uh, interview with Zach Sang. Uh, she goes through a lot of these tracks and has uh, great insights and little tidbits to share. And what she mentioned about Shut Up is that sonically it really sounds like an intro. And I agree. I think that this is a really smart song to lead with because so many of the motifs throughout the album are present here. A lot of vocal stacking, which works really good with her voice because she has this really light, airy quality uh, that sounds really good when it's you know rippling through um, layered sounds. Uh, there's also strings, which strings make up a huge motif in this album really adding a layer of sophistication to the work, which is counterbalanced by having this very conversational, colloquial style that is very reminiscent of some like bigger folks in R&B right now. Like I'm, I'm really hearing a lot of her and Kalani in these conversational lyrics. And uh, I think all of those elements are working and present uh, on Shut Up, and they're they're good. Like this mm-hmm. is this is a, a good iteration of those tropes. Uh, and Ariana Grande talked about not wanting this to come off as really aggressive, and it's more like an invitation to be quiet and not be a hater and just listen to what someone has to say rather than being like, "Screw you, shut up." 
And I think you definitely hear that as well. This isn't really an angry song. It's more just saying, hey, I would like some space to tell my story. And it feels earned for her to say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I don't think I'm quite as high on this song as you are, but I do, I do love that instrumental. I remember listening to this album for the very first time and hearing that sort of beginning, the strings and that orchestral swell and just being like so excited. And so I definitely, I, again, I love the instrumental on it. Lyrically, I like the message. I feel it's a little bit sparse, but, and I feel like her vocal delivery, I feel like for kind of the epicness of the instrumental, I would have liked to seen a little bit more sort of embellishment. But I I do like it. I think it's a solid opener. I think it's, again, kind of low-key. I like the message of it and that it's not sort of like this outright diss track, but more so of this is my story and I'm going to take this space to tell it. And I think, again, us talking about that, us both kind of being in agreement that this isn't this being positions being an album that very much so Ari it's reflective of her and her life and where she is right now I feel like this song also reflects that as well it's not my favorite but I still really do enjoy it and I think it's a solid opener I do I do like it yeah I really don't see this song slotting in anywhere else on the album I think it's either the opener or a bonus track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes 100%, it makes complete sense as the opener. And I think from the track list that we have, it was the right choice. I gotta be honest, with track two, 3435, when I saw it on the track list, I rolled my eyes. I thought it was so stupid. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> okay, huh, huh, 69. Mm. Like, it just, it seemed dumb. And I gotta be honest, what a pleasant surprise yeah. that this song isn't that annoying. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of this song. I don't think... I was, you know, in reading articles and sort of getting a sense for what the take on this song was, I don't think it's as clever as it thinks it is. Like, mm -hmm. the lyrics are not insanely creative or yeah. pushing the boundary. Mm -hmm. I think the real magic of it is... That, again, we're continuing on with the strings. It's this really intricate, ornate song that is just about being filthy. Yeah. And that is a lot of fun. Ariana Grande has said, you know, she's like, this is more of a humorous song than it's, mm -hmm. like, autobiographical. Oh, yeah. Which I I, I enjoy the tongue-in-cheek, winky nature of this song. I also think lyrically, the best part is the bridge, uh, which was, I guess the song was written in pieces and it was sort of in rough draft form. And then she decided that she wanted to make it a single for this album. And so then she like sat down with Victoria Monet and Taylor Parks, who are longtime songwriting collaborators of her. And they all came up with the bridge. And I think that's the, lyrically the most creative part. She also talked about how they talk about a 4.5 scale earthquake. And Victoria and Taylor were like, that's not that big of an earthquake. But Ariana was like, well, no, there was just an earthquake of that magnitude in LA. So it feels <laughs> feels present. So uh -huh. I think if you could go back and find in like September 2020, if there's a 4.5 earthquake in Los mm -hmm. Angeles, that yeah. is the the earthquake that made its way into this track. Wow. I did not know that. But yeah, I, again, I agree with a lot of that. I, 
in, I enjoy this song a lot more than I initially thought I would. I remember seeing that track list and I was just like, oh my god. I thought I would hate it. I yeah, really did. and like, it it works. It's corny, like, I'm not going to deny that, but I feel like Ariana is able, she leans into it enough, she leans into the humor of it enough to where it's fun. Like, she can pull it off. Like And the cadence, like, the way mm. that the song comes out is, like, in a way that only Ariana Grande would sing it. Like, yes. it's, it's really specialized to her talents, yes. which is very smart, I think. Yes. I do have one big complaint with this song, though, and it's it's a small thing, but it irks me every time I hear it is that throughout the entire song, she does not mention the number 69 until the very end when she has that little like voice note. It's like, it means I want a 69 with you. And that just drives me crazy. Who says that? I know. It's hey, like, can we just like 69? Like what? <laughs> I'm just like the 34, 35 and like not like I love having the listener. Do the math is obvious, but still not directly spelling it out to being like, 69 but there's that one moment at the very end where she's like this is what i want to do and it just it or it's a small thing but considering that's the last thing we hear in the song it just that is my one gripe with this song i wish she would have taken it out that's the one moment where i'm like okay that that's too corny she's the magician who revealed yes, the trick you you almost you almost had me you almost had me but yes, that is the one, that is the one minuscule thing in the song that I, every time I listen to it, it always irks me. It's just that one line that I'm just like, you went, you went a little too far. You went a little, you flew a little too close to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Icarus's wings. Yes. Um, I will say, I thought this was a really interesting conversation that came up in the Zach Sang interview and I think related to female pop stars singing about sex. Originally, this was supposed to be the lead single from this album, and Ariana felt like with this being the lead single, it would send the wrong message, and the rest of the album wouldn't be taken seriously, and so it got pulled and then was released as the second single. Mm -hmm. And I gotta think, like, do men think about that? Like, it just seems very sexist that, you know, this is something that Ariana Grande has to think about. Like, this yeah. is a fun, catchy song about sex. Yeah. It was, it was a... A high charting song it's probably one of the ones that's been the most popular and enduring from this album yeah it was it's a whole moment mm -hmm. and it feels like she doesn't even believe that she can take the moment because yeah. then everyone's just gonna dismiss her and be like oh this horny 20 something year old who can't make legit music mm-hmm and that's just I I think that's unfair that she has to think about that and I feel like it's worth saying mm-hmm so, there's two versions of this song. There's the solo cut, and then there is a collab with Megan Thee Stallion and Doja Cat. Doja Cat is also on another song on this album, so this is Doja Cat's return to the Positions era and Megan Thee Stallion's introduction. Yes. Um, so, charting-wise, uh, so this song originally peaked at number eight when Positions was released, and then, I, I don't know, fell off or went lower on the chart. Then when the remix with Doja and Megan was released, it rose to number two on the chart, which was the first time three solo female artists were credited on the same song in the top two since Lady Marmalade, um, which was in 2000. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, one thing I love about Ariana Grande in general is her willingness to collaborate with female artists. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really cool thing. And then um, the next week, uh, the remix version 
uh, was not credited anymore, and it was just Ariana Grande's song again on according to the charts, mm-hmm. and it stayed in the top ten for uh, ten weeks, and it actually rose back to its peak of number two later. Driver's license kept it from number one, um, but yes, a very successful charting song and a, a cool a cool all female collaboration. Do you have a preference between the two versions? Which one do you like better? Are they just different? I think I like both of them kind of equally. I think definitely having Ariana, a Doja Cat, and Megan Thee Stallion on the same song in 2020 is just very much so. It is summative of the year in music as a whole. And I think all three work really well together. I wish they had kind of, at least with Megan Thee Stallion and at least the remix, I wish they had kind of just gotten nastier with it. Like, I at least lyrically. Yeah, come on, Megan delivered like, WAP. Like, yeah, I feel don't like... Don't hold back, Megan. <laughs> like, it felt a little... It felt a, like I liked it, but it felt a little safe. Like, I feel like it could have, you know, kind of really gone full out like WAP did. And so... And I felt like there were just, like, a couple of, like, little moments where, like... A lot of just like kind of shoehorned like pop culture references like there's Hulu, Netflix, like DIY, YouTube, like so just like little moments like that that again felt a little corny and so I think it could have done a little more but I think what we got was certainly not bad. It's fun but not necessarily a remix that I really come back to or would go to rather than the original if I'm being completely honest. I listen it to It feels the- like a sales grab. Yeah it's a sales grab and I think also trying to capitalize on the popularity of Doja Cat and Megan Thee Stallion, since both of them had very big years in 2020. And I also think there's a, a fair critique of this album that we'll get into. On We haven't really come across the tracks that are the biggest offenders. Mm-hmm. But there's a degree of Ariana Grande's artistry that is very culture vulture-y appropriation of black women and trends that black women popularize. And I appreciate that she's using her platform to elevate and give space to other famous black women that are working. But at the same time, there, there is a level of like, are you just trying to capitalize off of, (laughs) you know, there's that, that kind of goes both ways. Um, so I just think it's important to be mindful of. Another um, standout lyric from the remix is in Doja Cat's verse when she says she wants that 6 9 without the Takashi. Yes. Um, the backstory, I mean, I don't know about Doja's relationship with Takashi 6 9 but the backstory with Ariana Grande fans is um, in 2020 when Stuck With You, the duet with Justin Bieber, um, was released. It debuted at the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100. And there is some speculation, like, the chart rules have changed since then, but there were, like, packaged singles, like, the number was kind of padded a little bit um, in in how the chart rules were calculated, and that was the same week that Gooba by 6ix9ine debuted at number three, and 6ix9ine went off on this entire tirade against Ariana Grande, and did not even mention Justin Bieber, but against Ariana Grande, and was like, you're cheating the charts, and I deserve the number one, and you suck. And it's it's very funny to me, because again, Ariana Grande's chart journey has not been the smoothest. Um, She actually didn't get a number one single until Thank You Next, and at that point she would have been working for years and years and years. So to say Ariana Grande's really only focused on the charts is kind of ludicrous, because if she was, <laughs> I don't think she would still be working. 
Um, but in any case, it made a lot of Ariana Grande fans very happy to see um, Doja so blatantly dissing 6 9 on this song. I also have to comment, and I know we're not there yet, but this is redemption for Doja Cat because she has the most useless guest verse <laughs> on Motive. Yeah. So I, it was nice to see Doja actually really like kind of selling it because I, mm-hmm. I felt like motive which is the next track yeah uh, really didn't need her so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad doja got a, a music video moment to shine yeah for sure so speaking of music videos yeah the music video so there's two yeah. there's one with the remix that mm-hmm. is megan and doja and ariana mm-hmm. just hanging out in a hotel and singing about 69ing yeah uh that's really it yeah <laughs> and to be honest that's all it needs to be. Like yeah. it, I want to hang out with Megan and Doja and Ariana in a hotel. Like mm-hmm. that would be fun. Yeah, for I'm sure. all in. It was it. Yeah, it just was very much like girl power, girls' night in type of vibe. There's some funny little asides where Ariana's ordering from room service. Mm-hmm. It's it's luxe. Um, the styling is on point. It definitely fits in with the era. I'm I'm a mm-hmm. fan of the music video. I, I think it's just it's just for fun and that's mm-hmm. what this whole song and remix is really about. Yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. It's been a while since I've seen the music video, so I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I'm looking at like screen caps from it right now. And yeah, I really love the fashion, the styling, and I think it is very fitting and appropriate of kind of the era. And I think definitely the fashion, I feel like Ari... The styling is good. The styling is really good. It's a lot of like kind of like influences from kind of like... 19 like 50s like early 60s like kind of like audrey hepburn like breakfast at tiffany's like that well and that's the whole yeah that's the whole era but it feels very 60s yeah it's very 60s inspired and so i like that it continues that trend even though that she is bringing these outside collaborators well doja cat was initially on the album but megan the stallion wasn't so it's i like that it's keeping with this theme and yeah it's it's a it's a solid video i enjoy it i need to i need to rewatch it and then the original video to this song uh, was just for the solo version. Yeah. And I actually really liked the original video quite a bit. It's, uh, I guess, based off of a 1927 film, Metropolis. Oh, Metropolis. Which I've never seen. Have you I, seen it? I, I, took a, I, took a, I took like a social science class my sophomore year and we watched Metropolis in class. I don't remember a lot of it, but now that you say that, it kind of, it makes sense. Well, anyway, in that video... She's Ariana Grande's working in a lab with her cohort, and they're trying to like bring to life this fembot version of Ariana Grande, and they are ultimately successful. And then the fembot changes all of their outfits, and then they do a dance routine. Yes. So it, it's gorgeous. I mean, again, the styling is really on point. She looks great, and it's just a lot of dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe all of the dancers in the video are dancers that went on tour with her. One of whom, his name is uh, Brendan. Oh, I don't remember what his name is. We'll have to <laughs> look that up. Um, but um, he's. Uh, it's very cool to see him. He's been in actually several of her music videos, and he's just dancing as one of the girls and it's Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of attention brought to it it's just you know that's Mm -hmm. he's dancing with with all of them and having a great time does he have like the blonde bowl cut not in this video okay not because i know i remember i remember in like 
I, I saw Ariana for the Sweetener World Tour, and one of her dancers was, like, a guy, and he had, like, this, like, very distinctive, like, platinum blonde, like, bowl cut, and he was an incredible dancer. So I didn't know. And I know she's very close with them, and so I didn't know if it was the same dancer or if there have been changes in her dance troupe. Darian Gallegos is da- the okay. dancer's name. Okay, Darian Gallegos. Let me look him up. But... In any case, I don't know how common this is. I haven't really paid attention to it, but it, it's something that I really enjoy about Ariana Grande is that she keeps sort of the same cast of characters in, on her tours and in the music videos. Uh, it, it just kind of shows that she cares about these people and that she likes them and trusts them with her art. So it's fun to see. And again, like it's very Barbarella. The styling is super 60s and fun and it's... It's just a great little video. Yes. And Darian Glagos was who I was thinking of. This okay. This is him on the Sweetener Tour with the blonde bowl cut. So Darian Glagos, a yeah. fas- fashion icon. Fashion icon. Alrighty. So now we are going to get into track three, in which brings us to the return of Doja Cat on <laughs> this project. She did for... the pivot. <laughs> she did the pivot. We went straight from the 34-35 remix into Motive, which is one of three collaborations on this project. Which is interesting. This is the first time we're talking about collaborations. Yeah, for sure. In Breakaway, uh, there were no featured yeah. guests on Kelly songs. did that all by herself. And Breakaway really was not about sex. <laughs> so yeah. mm-hmm. these are two m- major themes in pop music are features and sex. So yeah. we're diving in this time. Mm-hmm. So Motive. I wish I liked this song more than I did. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ingredients that I feel don't come together in making this banger that the song is trying to be. There's a real disco, groovy vibe. I think the beat is actually really strong. And I like the directness of it, you know, approaching somebody and saying, like, I think you're into me, but, like, what, do you, what's, what are your intentions here? Um, it's a, a world-wise sort of perspective and approach, and, again, I think that's a, another major motif about this album, is Ariana Grande has grown. She's mm-hmm. been around the block, and she's doesn't really trust herself, and she certainly doesn't mm-hmm. trust you. Yeah. So, you know, this is uh, the right message, I, I think, for her to be sending, I just, there's kind of like a je ne sais quoi missing to this. I, I, yeah. I can't really think of like the one thing that's holding it back other than Doja Cat's verse. Why is she there? It is her cadence, the way that she raps, it doesn't mesh with this song. And she's not doing any kind of stylistic alterations to fit in with the groove. It's just, oh, hey, I'm Doja Cat. I'm here for a couple seconds. Ariana Grande sounds more like how Doja Cat should sound yeah. on this track. And a couple times you're almost like, wait, is that? Oh, no, that's still Ariana. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think I'm a little bit more of a fan than this song of this song than you are. I really enjoy it. I think it's, I love Ariana and Doja together. And I think I can see, I could see her being left off. And I think it would be interesting to see like a side by side comparison to like hearing this with Doja's verse as opposed to if Ari took it out and then added her own verse in Doja's place. But as it is, I like it. It's bouncy, it's direct. I wouldn't say it's a huge standout on the album, but like when I would, when I was doing my listen throughs, it would kind of, I, you know, I'd kind of get into it. I'd be like, yeah, I. 
I like it. Again, I think Dojo works better on the 3435 remix, but like also thinking about it, I don't know who I would replace Dojo with if you were to get somebody else on to feature on this song. But yeah, I would almost like to see a reciprocation of the Lady Gaga, like mm-hmm. Rain on Me collab. Ooh. You know, Ariana did the feature on Chromatica, so throw Lady Gaga on this song. I think Lady Gaga could make more mm-hmm. of the dance beat. Interesting. Than does. Ooh, I like that, that. Off the top of my head, that's mm-hmm. who I would pick. Ooh. Um, a tit for tat collab. Wow. If Ariana wanted to pull Lady Gaga and do how Lady Gaga just released Dawn of Chromatica, like that remix album, if Ariana wanted to do Dawn of Positions. Oh my gosh. Could have. I don't think she will. I don't think that this is an event album. Oh no, it's not. It just isn't. No. I, I don't think that that would be the right move for oh. her career oh yeah not at all it would just be a fun what if i would also like to comment and again i didn't notice this this was ariana grande's own mm. words okay. but there's a lot of thought and intention that went into the track listing and i think motive is a really appropriate place to put this song on the album because you intro like shut up i have something to say listen to it and then you've got 34 35 which is just like having a good time, you know, a humorous song. And then Motive, it's like you meet, I think we'll just refer to him as Dalton because that's probably who she's talking about. You meet Dalton and like, Dalton, what's your motive? Then that goes into, just like Magic is kind of thrown in there, but then off the table, it's like, well, I didn't think I could love again. Like, is this possible? Then 630 is like, okay, well, I guess it's possible. Are you down? And then Safety Net is like, okay, I'm we're doing this, but I'm scared and self-conscious about it. And then as the album progresses it's she's more and more in love and like there's this really nice catharsis at the Mm -hmm. end of you know feeling really good about the relationship and that it's in a very positive place and it's also nice to see that unlike the pete davidson situation yeah they are still together yeah they got married so yeah i mean they're married now so uh that this Mm -hmm. whole album really coming together in those ways regardless of how i feel about the individual songs i love that all of those core sentiments fall in such a logical way and motive really starts off that story i think Alrighty, and so now that we have found out motives motive uh we're <laughs> going to talk about track four uh just like magic which i think is going to be our biggest maybe our biggest disagreement who knows who knows but i know when we were comparing rankings this ranked much higher for me than it did for you and i just want to say i love the song i love it i love the instrumental it just it's sparkly it's bubbly it's bright it feels like a more thoughtful and mature seven rings like it's kind of like this song that's you know talking about her life and how she's going into the studio she's doing meditations it's just fun. It's just fun and it's light and it's her being appreciative of this life that she's living and it feels less focused on the material kind of aspects of her life as kind of that felt like that was kind of the main sort of central theme of Seven Rings. I don't know. I felt like this is kind of like Seven Rings is like wiser, more mature, (laughs) older sister in a way. And I... It was one of my favorites when I first... It's not hard to be more mature than Seven (laughs) Rings. Yes, but... I really love this song. It's one of the songs from Positions that from my first listen through a year ago made its way into the rotation that of my daily rotation. That one that I still listen to quite a lot. I I really love this song. Yeah, so 
I feel like we all know that person that like took an intro to psych class their first year of college. And then they're like, oh, I can diagnose everyone. I know how to read people's minds. That to me is what this song is. <laughs> is Ariana Grande is a freshman studying psychology. <laughs> like all these like, I'm manifesting. And uh, okay, a lot of respect to Ariana Grande. She has been very open with all the therapy that she's had and talking about going to therapy. And I love and appreciate and respect how she's working to normalize therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is really awesome. I think we should all be going to therapy. Um, And it's clear that she's been to therapy. If you read the lyrics to the song. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, And there's, there's a lot of stuff there. Mm -hmm. I just find it to be cheesy how she incorporates all of these things. It, It feels a little forced uh, I do love, you know, the sending some love letters to heaven and then the song kind of like freezes there when you're just like, oh, Mac Miller, it still hurts. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a cool uh, and nice to see him still being honored in her art. But yeah, it just kind of feels like a mess to me. I take your point. I, I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm, and not, not all artists for all people. Yeah. It just, it's kind of a mess to me. I don't know. I like it. I like it. It's fun. You know what, Blake? (laughs) You're valid. So this moves us on to track five, which is Off the Table, which is a return to the uh, Abel Ari team up. The Weeknd is featured on this track. This is the first time they've collabed since Love Me Harder, which was on... Was that on My Everything? I get My Everything yeah. and yours truly mixed that up. That was on My Everything. So that oh, was like 2014. Yeah, so 2014. And then, of course, uh, they also teamed up again later in 2021 when Ariana hopped on a remix of Save Your Tears. So uh, these are frequent collaborators at this point. I was very excited to see The Weeknd was returning to collab with Ariana on the track list before I, you know, before the album was released and before I listened to it. The first time I listened to this song, I won't lie, I was disappointed and didn't really revisit it until this project. And I gotta say, more than any other song, it's probably the song I listened to the most in doing this preparation for this podcast because my feelings about it, I couldn't understand why I felt or thought the things that I did about this song. And I really landed on finding it to be really good. And it's unexpected. And it wasn't really what I thought this collaboration was going to be. And I think that that's totally okay. And in a large sense, like a microcosm of how I and I think a lot of other people feel about this album is... It wasn't what I was expecting. It was maybe a bit of a letdown right at the beginning, but mm-hmm. as it's aged, it's really aged in an interesting way. Yeah. I still will comment, it does feel like the last draft before the final draft. Like, there's something unfinished almost about it. Mm-hmm. I also think the hook of, like, his love completely out of the table, it's clunky. Like, yeah. and I think at the end when she finishes it with the off the table, baby, like, mm-hmm. that completes the phrasing yeah. better. And I, I love that there's a build in the song and it starts quiet and then kind of ends with belting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost wish that the baby had hung on a little bit longer to make the off the table phrasing feel 
more complete. But that said, I really love the sparse production. I really love that, you know, you're just left with Ariana and her insecurity. Then The Weeknd, who's probably pop music's greatest shapeshifter, mm-hmm. he plays like a lecherous fuckboy some of the time. Sometimes he's, you know, crooning, and sometimes he's kind of more like in the Bruno Mars vein. Sometimes he's emulating Prince or someone else we won't name. So The Weeknd really shapeshifts into like, Ariana's ideal man, which I think is a really interesting place for his character development to go. And then it just kind of swirls and builds and their voices mesh. And I mean, they they are truly what each other's brands needs. They are ideal collaborators. The Weeknd's thing and Ariana Grande's thing are so complimentary. I think these two are probably going to make more collaborations. Mm -hmm. I think they are really pop music's supreme duo right now. Yeah. And where I landed with the song is I think it's really strong. And I love that it wasn't radio friendly. And Mm -hmm. I love that it's unexpected. And it it gives both of them the space to try on new musical skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is... A song that I always liked, like I remember listening to it and being like, again, it was not exactly what I expected, but I really enjoy it. And I feel like a lot of these, a lot of songs on positions feel like the kind of wiser, more mature, older siblings of, or continuations of songs in Ariana's previous discography. And I feel like this is very much so the maturation and the continuation of Love Me Harder. And they even say Love Me Harder in the song. Yeah, they say Love Me Harder. which... She does, it's so fun if you know her work before this. There's so many references to past songs and stuff yeah. that she works in. It's, it's fun. Yeah, and The Weeknd does it here. He has the lyric, I was haunted by the hills. One of, if not the biggest song of 2015 was The, the Weeknd, The Hills. But yeah, I really, really like it. I would love to see them perform this live together because I feel like this really would lend itself to working in like a live sort of arena venue. It has that really kind of soaring, intimate quality to it. And I really, I feel like, Quinn, what you were talking about earlier with kind of like this, with a motive, kind of this narrative thread starting of the start of a new relationship being like, first, okay, what's your motive? And now this idea of is love completely off the table, realizing that you're still working through things, that you still have trauma and pain in your life with Ariana, obviously, her still very actively grieving her breakup with Pete Davidson, the loss of Mac Miller's very, of course, the Manchester bombing, and thinking about is love still possible for her. It's a very contemplative and a very introspective song. And it's definitely one that has has stayed with me. It's one that whenever it comes on, it's very easily kind of lets me into this world. It's a nice kind of slowdown from Just Like Magic. I feel like I get such a rush of energy from listening to Just Like Magic. And then off the table is kind of like, okay, we're going to very calmly kind of kind of center ourselves and come back down and kind of witness this very interesting and introspective moment of intimacy between these two performers, between these two people, between these two people in this relationship that we're kind of watching unfolding throughout the course of this album. And it's just, it's really, it's really nice. And I hope they get to perform it live together someday. I know Ari is a judge on The Voice this season. And which, which I didn't even think about this. We started with Kelly Clarkson, who's yes. also a judge on The Voice. That mm. was not intentional. Yes, but... that was not intentional. But a funny yes, story. But I would love for do the judges perform songs on The Voice? I've never really watched The Voice, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't watch yeah. it. I think I watched like season one or two. I think they do. I mean, yeah. Maroon Five and Christina Aguilera had mm-hmm. moves like Jagger. I think they performed that on The Voice. So yeah, but if 
Ariana wanted to perform a song off positions on The Voice, I would make a case for Off the Table being that song. I think that would be a really strong choice. I think there's a lot of interesting things that they could do. And again, they've already collaborated again since then, but I'm still curious to hear Mm -hmm. what their next collaboration will be because I know Ariana wrote her verse on Save Your Tears, so it was a collab. But I mean, that was Mm -hmm. really his song that she was kind of brought in to elevate, but they wrote this song together. They're the only two lyricists on this song. So I would be curious to see what another, you know, Mm -hmm. from the beginning collaboration the two of them have to offer because I think it, it. I'm intrigued. This wasn't what I expected. Off the table was not what I expected for their next collaboration. So mm-hmm. surprise me again, folks. I'm yeah. ready. I'm here for it. I am here for it too. Yes. And so now that leads us into 6.30, which is also track six on the track list of positions. <laughs> and fun fact. So... On the, so not all of these songs were singles, so they didn't all have interesting chart stories to talk about. But when Positions did was released, all of the songs ended up on the Billboard Hot 100 for that following week. And 6.30 just so happened to be at number 63 on the Hot 100, which I think is just kind of funny. I love that. But yeah, I really love 6.30. It's one that, again, I feel like a lot of these songs with time have really grown on me. And this one, I like. I feel like there's a good amount of lyrical specificity here. It kind of continues this narrative that we begin with motive, continue with off the table, and then with 6.30, we kind of have these like beginning sort of hesitancies and trepidation, and 6.30 is kind of the moment where you're, where it feels like Ariana is about to fall, where she's like, am I going to actually enter this relationship into this person? Like, are you down? And like off the table is her showing her hand yes. and then 630 is like her like making the first play. Yeah. Is like, are you in or are you out? I love the orchestral flourishes as well. The I, strings. They the hold string. the whole album yes. together. They hold it together and they make a triumphant return here that is greatly appreciated and I always enjoy. And yeah, I feel like I don't have a lot to say about it beyond that. It's definitely one that, again, has grown on me with time like a lot of this album has. And I, I personally enjoy it a lot. I hate this song. I think it's awful. (laughs) I take your point, but I... Okay, so the metaphor. So are you down like 6.30? Both hands of the clock are pointed down Mm -hmm. when it's 6.30. Who was ever going to get that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's weird as a metaphor. And my other problem with this is of the songs that Ariana Grande is appropriating black female stylings, this one is one of the biggest offenders to me. I It just doesn't feel fully authentic. I, I find it to be clunky, and I just hate the metaphor so much that I don't see why I would ever <laughs> listen to this ever again. <laughs> but I take your point. Like, yeah, no, I take I... your point. <laughs> We, we are not always going to agree. It's art. Uh, People have different art. opinions. Yeah, we have different it. opinions, yeah. And no, I do appreciate, particularly in hearing her, Ariana's reasoning for the ordering of the album, I think it fits there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun, you know, 6.30, it's the sixth track. Just not, not for me. Yeah, and that's okay. And so now we're going to be talking about Safety Net. Which... Track seven. Quinn, I know you have a lot of thoughts on I love this song. I love Safety Net. 
it is just such a highlight for me. I'm a Ty Dolla Sign truther. I think he's horrifically slept on. He's so talented. He is so versatile. He ends up, you know, he can be on an Ariana Grande album one minute, be making like indie music the next. Then he's, you know, t teaming up with Swedish House Mafia. Uh, then he's, you know, on, you know, a rap song. He's just, he's incredible. He is very underappreciated. I definitely think if you're looking for somebody who's kind of in that rap and be vibe, odds are Ty Dolla Sign has had an influence in the production or the work of their catalog at some point. And uh, he is great, a great singer, a really talented producer. I just, I was so excited to see that Ariana Grande teamed up with Ty Dolla Sign in a very different response. I think this song was much more what I expected it to be, so it was more accessible to me, and maybe there's something to be said for I was more surprised and ultimately satisfied with the Weeknd collab on this album, but gosh, Safety Net I listen to all the time. It is in many playlists. I love it. Uh, it just, the production is, is the right vibe it kind of feels like outer spacey and just like you're floating without anything to grab onto which the lyrical content being you know i'm heading out into worlds unknown and i am scared like it's it's just the right sonic sound um ty dolla sign coming in and kind of matching vocals with ariana and you know getting kind of his gravelly warm tone in there with her light airy belting it just works so well it feels like such a centered grounded song i love like kind of the build at the end um where you think she's gonna like go up to <laughs> a higher note but then they kind of back off from it i think it's a very cool sonic moment that this song has that sort of leaves you out there drifting I think if this song was released as a single, which I would love to see that happen, and they did do a music video to this, I could see something really cool where, like, Ariana Grande doing, like, hot girl shit in outer space, and, like, oh. Ty Dolla Sign comes around in a mm -hmm. spaceship. So if they need ideas, I can provide oh. some <laughs> for this music video. But mm -hmm. I, I just, I think that, like, tender insecurity and then Ty coming in to sort of soothe the anxieties of Ari. It just, it works really well as a sort of trap R&B duet, and I I won't skip it if mm -hmm. it comes on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like you said a lot of what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I, I like this track. I think it's a solid duet. I think uh, Ariana and Ty Dolla Sign's voices work really well together. I think it's a little bit more kind of ominous, and it's a little bit darker than the other tracks, which I kind of like. And it's, it's like nocturnal. Yeah, it's nocturnal. Yes, there's kind of a sense of urgency to it in the instrumental. I can kind of, yes, the trip in, fall in, no safety net. I think that definitely that concept is reflected. I think it's, again, one of my favorite instrumentals in the, uh, positions as well. But yeah, I feel like uh, I can't add too much else. I, I really like it. It's solid. I and I am not as familiar with Ty Dolla Sign's work. I know him primarily from his collaborations, but all of his collaborations well, <laughs> I really like. It's. I mean, he has a great sense of humor. Yes. And his album that he released in I think it was October last year. Mm -hmm. He. It's called featuring Ty Dolla yes, Sign because I, the mm -hmm. joke is that mm -hmm. he only ever does features. Which yeah. I he does do a lot of features, but mm -hmm. um, his solo stuff is. 
It's on point too. I'm I'm a huge Ty Dolla Sign fan. Maybe we'll do one of his <laughs> albums at one point. Mm-hmm. So here we find ourselves at track eight, My Hair. Yes. So My Hair. My Hair. It's a song. <laughs> on it's, positions. It's position. By Ariana it is yes. It is in her Spotify catalog. And we were talking about this before the show, and my hair, this is probably my least favorite song on the album. It just feels, it feels like a demo. It feels so unfinished. It's, there's over 30 seconds of pure instrumental in a two and a half minute song in which like a lot of these songs are two minutes or less. A lot of them are very kind of concise and to the point, obvious, no pun intended, but it's this... And I feel like, Quinn, I know you were talking about this, and I know she kind of explains the meaning of this song in her interview with Zach Sang. So there's a little bit more context to it in that. But just on first listen, even last year and even now, this is just a song that I has never really hit with me. It's a, It has some nice moments. Her vocals are nice, but it just feels so rough and kind of unfinished that it's just, it's never, it's never really clicked for me. It's never really clicked. I always skip it. Even when I was doing these full listen throughs, I was just like, I just want this to be over. (laughs) Make it stop. It feels like an interlude. Like it does not, if this was an interlude, then that, that would make more sense to me. But no, it's a full track. It's two and a half minutes. Yeah. And I guess, I think we lose the story a little bit after this, you Mm -hmm. know, because we have a really clear succession of ideas and concepts, and then you you get to this stage of the album that I I think is, it's hard to argue it's not the weakest phase of the album that starts with my hair, and it just, it feels very, like, ex-Disney star. Yeah. It's almost juvenile, and on Mm -hmm. the same record that talks about 69ing, it feels like jarringly mm-hmm. tween, yeah. which is weird. Yeah, so uh, again, I did not care for this song either mm-hmm. in my initial listen through. It kind of reminded me of when Focus was released, which yeah. is like <laughs> in the conversation <laughs> for one of the worst songs of all time. Oh, like yes. Just period. Like, forget Ariana Grande's catalog. It's just a terrible song. Mm-hmm. And to save this tragedy mm-hmm. of a song, in live performances, she would, like, swank it up and mm-hmm. kind of make it, like, gentlemen prefer blondes, like, old Hollywood sort of styling, yeah. which I actually really liked. And I mm-hmm. think here, again, I'm an advocate for this production. I yeah. like her sound on this kind of, like, jazzy, mm-hmm. you know, lounge singer sort of vibe. I think her voice does things here that it doesn't do in other corners of the album. And I like that, and I want to hear more. So that's, mm-hmm. like, where I would advocate for my hair. What I also would say is, in the interview with Zach saying, she talked about how, you know, her hair has been such a topic of conversation throughout her entire career. Mm-hmm. She, of course, had a very um, notable, bright, fire engine red hair yes. when she was playing Cat Valentine on Victorious and then the spinoff, Sam and Cat. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how when she was trying to start her music career, which I, I didn't realize the timeline of this. I guess it was around the same time. Yeah, it was 2013. Yeah, so she was going back and forth between L.A. and wherever, and she was dyeing her hair every week so that she would be able to establish her own identity as a singer that was not attached to this character. And mm-hmm. she did not want to be releasing music 
with red hair. Yes. Which totally makes sense. And mm-hmm. again, part of why the ponytail is such a significant look for her mm-hmm. is because her hair was so damaged from yeah. this, you know, dyeing it once mm-hmm. a week back and forth yeah. from red to brown that, you know, the, the mm-hmm. ponytail was a really practical workaround because yeah. they could just clip it in mm-hmm. and she wouldn't actually have to have healthy functioning hair. Yeah, absolutely. So she talked, I guess Ariana Grande's hair as it is when she like gets out of the shower, mm-hmm. her natural hair is curly and I, I don't know what it looks like. I don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. do because yeah. that's something she's really protected as part of her identity as Ariana Grande, the person that's distinct from Ariana Grande, the pop superstar. Yeah. And so what she's saying Mm -hmm. to Dalton in this song is like, you can touch my actual real hair, which that, that feels more meaningful and impactful than just like, you can touch my hair. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, I, the song really feels like it's more for Dalton, like something fun and playful, which I, again, I'm, I'm glad that Mm -hmm. she put it on the album for that reason. Like, if it makes her happy to have it there and it's something that uh, speaks to her relationship that seems healthy and positive and wonderful, then awesome. But, yeah, I I don't really think it needed to be on the album. I don't think there's much reason to revisit it. And I'm looking forward to when she applies this styling to a good song instead of of using it to try to save... Uh, mm-hmm. worse ones. They can't all be winners. <laughs> yep, they cannot all be winners. Alrighty. Another aspect that makes me uncomfortable about this song is, again, we have to remember, Ariana Grande is a white woman, and in the black community, hair and touching people's hair without their consent is a real issue, and it's really inappropriate, and, you know, a lot of, um... People have come forward talking about microaggressions they've experienced in conversation and in people's treatment of their hair. And I get that Ariana Grande is a celebrity and has probably <laughs> dealt with her fair share of unwanted touching of her hair and probably <laughs> um, in general. So I can see how she feels okay talking about it and sharing her perspective. But there is a part of the song that it feels... Uh, kind of like she's appropriating black women's struggle by saying, I don't let people touch my hair. Uh, it, it just, something doesn't sit quite right about that. And I, I don't think Ariana Grande should be taking on black women's struggles in that way, which I think is unfortunately an interpretation of this song. Yeah. Definitely. That was, yeah, I thank you for touching on that, Quinn. That was, that's always how I've kind of interpreted this song, at least until today when you finally gave me the full context of what this song is kind of about. And I think given that context, it makes sense for Ariana, but also there is a larger societal connotation to it. And especially since this is a song that leans one like very heavily into R and B sort of instrumentally instrumental styling sounds that yes, were popularized sound. by Black women. Yes, I think that combination especially. It's just again, it's it's my least favorite track on the album. <laughs> and again, I I don't want to discredit any of the advocacy work. Ariana Grande has done. I I don't think her heart is in a place to be harmful to the black community at all. Mm -hmm. But we're all working to be better, and she is not perfect either. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, so now we move on to Nasty, 
which honestly do not have a whole lot to say about it, kind of in the similar vein as my hair. It's just a song that feels really safe. I feel like there could be a lot more just kind of ways she could have gone with it. I think the instrumental feels very laid back. I just honestly, I just kind of, it feels unfinished in the same vein of unhair. And I think in the same vein as my hair, and I think especially these these kind of four run of songs, uh, my hair, nasty, and then we're gonna be talking about West Side and Love Language in a little bit. But all four of these tracks kind of feeling very more like demos, feeling rough, not really feeling super polished. And I think this is the easily the album's one of the weakest section, the weakest point is having these songs back to back to back. It's just it is kind of a slog to get through. And I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I feel like it could be, you know, want to get nasty. I feel like it could could have just, I feel like she could have just had more fun with it. Kind of in the same vein Maybe as 34. Maybe like an, an outro of yeah. 34, 35. Yeah. Like do like a little snippet. If you liked it that much, like mm-hmm. do like a little snippet of an outro. Yeah. For 34, 35 after it's finished. Mm-hmm. Or have it as an interlude. Yeah. I... Again, there's not much to say about this song. It's playing it really safe. I feel like most artists have a song like... Most pop stars have a song like this, and it's usually better than this. I do... I vocally appreciate her voice, like, in the second half. I think she makes it... She does... She gives it a try to make the song more exciting, but frankly, it's boring, and it's it's not really worth revisiting, and it's surrounded by other tracks that are not really worth revisiting either. So, it, it yeah, it's just kind of the doldrums of this album, unfortunately. And then track 10 is West Side, which is also a complete snoozer. Yeah. <laughs> like, what what is going on here? Like, it just, it's boring. It, it's literally the second after the song ends, I, like, forget what mm. it sounds like. Yeah. Again, this is one of the worst songs in terms of Ariana Grande using A-A-V-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't love the cultural appropriation element to it. It's also being in Chicago. It's like, <laughs> Ariana Grande <laughs> is not meeting anyone on the west side of Chicago. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know which west side she's talking about or if that's a nice part of town or not. But I, I have a lot of doubts she's going to the <laughs> west side of Chicago mm-hmm. to meet uh, her real estate fiancé. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, this song doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And it should, you're going to the west side, surely mm-hmm. it should take you on some kind of journey. Yeah. I, again, I feel like I'm just gonna, I'm just a broken record here, but again, it feels like a demo. It, it's just, it feels so unfinished and just so, just nothing. She just seems bored here. Like, I feel bored, I feel boredom listening to this song and it feels like she was bored making it or that she was just kind of messing around in the studio but she wanted this song included on the album, so it's here, and we're going to talk about it, but I feel like there's just not really a lot to say that hasn't already been said with na- with Nasty and My Hair. Well, and also, I mean, so we're going to talk about the bonus tracks, which, like, in general, I don't think there's a bonus track that's amazing. Yeah. But I think any of those tracks, you could have just slotted them in yeah. instead of West Side. Mm-hmm. And I... Yeah, maybe there is a better song in West Side, and it's just unfinished. Yeah. Like, I I just... It seemed like if you had these other songs on deck, yeah. I don't know why you would go with this one. Mm-hmm. Does the title make you sound edgier or cool? I, I don't know. Yeah. 
And so that leads us into Love Language, track 11, which lyrically, I feel like is pretty weak. And I feel like this is <laughs> can we have my favorite to... line in the whole song. Yeah. Pardon my French, but can you speak in tongues? Yes. Ugh. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Please lyric- stop. Lyrically, <laughs> it's not great, but... I, and I know this is going to be a point of dissonance between us. I love the instrumental. I love the da 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 I feel like it definitely injects some energy back into this project where West Side is just the album's kind of lowest point where it is so, so dull that it almost kind of feels like the instrumental is kind of like an iPhone alarm where it's just like it kind of jolts the listener back awake. But honestly, <laughs> I kind of like that. She set an alarm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's sweet of her. She planned a nap in the middle. Yes, I know. But the instrumental, I do really like. I can, I understand. I understand someone not liking it. Again, this is not a standout, but the instrumental makes me feel anxious. Mm -hmm. Like it makes me feel like I'm like playing a video game and I'm running out of time. And I like uh, we gotta get all these plates out from the kitchen or like (laughs) I don't even know what games people play, but. My goodness, it felt like I was on like a a, a Disneyland ride and Mm -hmm. it was kind of boring. And so they were like, we got to put the background track, you know, to emphasize Mm -hmm. the turns and the swirl. Like it, yeah, I, I, this instrumental is not what I would be (laughs) singing to (laughs) and karaoke. And yeah, the lyrics, it's just stupid. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's not a, a crafty intelligent song which wouldn't be as disappointing if we didn't know that she could do so much better i i do think you know she talked about in the zach saying interview that she can't make music like thank you next all the time Mm -hmm. and you know i think a lot of people expect her to and the reality is it's like thank you next comes from this horrific place of trauma in her life and you know we as human beings just can't go there all the time and i'm totally fine and happy to accept that positions is not really coming from a place of trauma it comes from a place of healing and new love which is exciting and it's still dealing with her insecurities and her difficulties trusting herself but i do think and there are some strong love songs coming up on the track list but I, I think uh, the argument that, you know, you can't make compelling art when you're in love is not true. But uh, certainly this midsection of positions, it doesn't feel like she has something that coherent to say. Yeah. And the message of the album does pick back up and we do kind of get back there. But again, this is Ariana Grande. Like, deliver a love song. We know you can. Love language is not that song. Try again next time, Ari. Try again next time. Love language was not it. Again, I will defend the instrumental. I will defend it, but I agree. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just, just like, it makes me feel dizzy. Like, yeah. I, I can't even explain it. No, that makes sense. It makes, and no, like, I get that. I get, I get not liking it. I, it just, it works for me. So now we have track 12, the title track. Positions. The, Switching the, the positions, positions. Switching the, the positions album. for you. Yeah. So what do you think, Blake? Uh, I think, you know, this was our October 2020. This was our first introduction to the world of positions. Very much so. This was the start of the era itself. I love the music video, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in depth in a little bit. But I I really like it. I love the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That opening riff, 
I love it. I think it's great. It's such a great way to start off the song. And overall, it's a pretty solid late single. I think she, I think it's very much kind of emblematic of the album as a whole. And that, you know, there are songs about sex, but there are also some really tender love songs on here. And, you know, it's kind of playful. It's playful. I like it. I love that opening riff. I love the incorporation of the strings and the orchestral motifs. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if I wish it had kind of been placed a little bit earlier in the track list, maybe kind of the halfway point. I think it could definitely break up kind of that four song slog of uh, my hair to love language. I think if it had been placed earlier, it could definitely help kind of keep that momentum that it establishes in the beginning. But it's still, I am, I really like it. I think it's a solid, it's a solid lead single. And out of all of the songs I would have chosen to be the lead off of this project, I think it makes sense. And I think it was a choice that paid off. Yeah, I think this song makes a ton of sense as the lead single of this project and as the album title. And I might even posit a, a take that this is her best lead single ever. Ooh. Which, <laughs> there's some not a lot of competition. I'm trying um, to think of what her other lead think, singles are. I Thank You Next is probably the more iconic one mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just capturing the culture. Yeah. But I think sonically, this song is just the right choice for this album. Yeah. You've got the strings, you've got quippy lyrics. Uh, it it, mm-hmm. it really works to, it, it's a representative of this album for sure. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Mm-hmm. I think this song is so quietly mature and thoughtful and presents new ideas in a really accessible, understated way. And I just think the longer, you know, the more time goes by, I return to positions and just find it to be such a delightful song. You know, looking at, you know, her saying, you know, I love you. And because I love you so much, like I'm willing to, you know, play different roles in your life. Like I I want to be the person that you need in a given moment like i i want to meet your parents i want to make you dinner like it and it it sounds like she's really in control of making those choices and being in those positions for this person so i find it to be really complicated and nuanced her voice sounds great all the vocal stacking and those motifs that we see her use vocally she also uses the whistle register which i was a big surprise <laughs> and again i think is sort of <laughs> leads from receiving <laughs> the blessing of Miss Carrie in, in the time since her last album to this album, which was cool. Uh, London on the track, he produced this song. And I gotta say, when I first noticed that there are literally cricket sounds in the <laughs> background, I was so taken aback. I think I burst out laughing. Mm-hmm. But not <laughs> only are there crickets in the production of this song... I actually love the crickets. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I would have never expected to um, appreciate having cricket noises in oh, the, yeah. the, the bass line of the song. But it's mm-hmm. it's such an out of left field mm-hmm. uh, detail yeah. that it, it just, it makes positions so unique and, mm-hmm. and fun and really move with, in a bright way. So, a lot of this song actually reminds me of work. By Rihanna. Ooh. I remember when Work came out, everyone mm-hmm. was like, I can't understand what she's saying. And Ariana Grande has major enunciation problems 
don't <laughs> I I am aware of this. Um, but you know, word came out and people are like, I don't know what she's saying, but it kind of bops like whatever. And you know, over time, like there's essays people have written about you know how interesting and complicated it work yeah. is as a song and how it really captures you know like angst and frustration but also that we just have to kind of keep going to work keep going and living our lives yeah and i think positions is similar in that a lot of people had no idea what the hell she was saying yeah it's actually lyrically very intricate and complicated mm-hmm. and i i think well written and um she delivers it in a way that only ariana grande can mm-hmm. but as this song will age i think mm-hmm. more and more people will see it as uh the the grown-up love song that uh can be uh, relatable and applicable in a lot of different situations. So, great job on positions. I I am. <laughs> Ariana Grande has not always released good lead singles, yes. and this is truly one of them. Yes, absolutely. We have no choice but to stand positions. Indeed. And so, this song um, was her fifth number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. It was her fifth debut at yeah. the top of the Hot 100. So this actually uh, gave her the record for most number one debuts uh, in history. So this is a, a cool chart fact for her in general. And she's also the only artist to have her first five songs debut at number one. Stayed in the top ten for 17 weeks, which is tied for the longest stay her solo songs have had in the region. And... That's really all there is to say about the chart performance. It, it, it uh, this song had staying power, yeah. and it, it seems to have resonated. I wouldn't call this a flop by any stretch of the imagination. So, I, again, I don't know what the fans are complaining about. They got yeah. a number one out of it, mm-hmm, for sure. So, yeah, they they seem to be angry when she doesn't make number one songs. Even though, again, I don't think Ariana Grande cares. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, And then, of course, this song and album was released right ahead of the 2020 election. And um, I did watch a YouTube video of her breaking down her music videos. Mm -hmm. And apparently the whole concept of, so this music video, she is uh, the president. And Mm -hmm. it takes place in the White House. And there's all these scenes of her being in different positions within the White House, both like cooking in the kitchen and, you know, in the Oval Office, uh, walking around the grounds, going to press conferences, meeting people. And apparently this was Dalton Gomez's idea to have this take place in the White House. And it was because, you know, all this election fervor was going on. And it was like, well, why couldn't a young woman in her 20s be the president? Why couldn't the cabinet be all women? I think there's like one or two men in the entire music video and everyone else is a woman in in the cabinet you know why couldn't it look like this why couldn't it look half like this and it's a very impactful image to see even if like it's mostly just her kind of doing hot girl shit and like there's no choreography or anything more than just like her wearing a bunch of very fashionable looks the the styling in the video is very on point i don't think there's one look that looks bad But yeah, it's just kind of the idea that hangs over this song, that it was just a a brilliant, a brilliant music video and very fitting for the time when we were all experiencing a lot of anxiety. You really see her intention behind the art and making something groundbreaking, but still really sophisticated and tasteful. It's a great video. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Love one, honestly, probably one of my favorite music videos from her. And I think... 
given of all the songs that from this era that I think deserved a music video, I think this definitely for sure. I'm so glad that we got it. I love that concept. I didn't, I like knew, I know vaguely of the concept, but having you, ex having that explanation, I think just makes me appreciate it even more. And yeah, well done. Well done, Ariana. So now, Blake. Yes. What do you think an Ariana Grande presidency would look like? Oh, that is a great question. I'm curious as to who her vice president would be. I've thought about this okay. and I have ideas. Okay, who would it be? Well, I would pick The Weeknd, but he's Ooh. Canadian. <laughs> so that would be unrealistic. Um, mm -hmm. But I think The Weeknd would actually be a great compliment mm -hmm. to being her vice president. If we yeah. want to keep with the all-female theme, mm -hmm. then I was sort of, you know, on the train of thinking like someone like Mariah Carey would be mm -hmm. good, you know, like yes. a, a, a more experienced stateswoman to yes. compliment sort of the youth and mm -hmm. the fervor that... Ariana would bring to the office. Yes, I feel like, I feel like someone that Ariana would pick. I feel like she would maybe pick Nicki Minaj. I don't know about okay, right I can now. See it. <laughs> like maybe not right now, just because of what Nicki Minaj has been. Well, saying. and Nicki Minaj is also yeah. not American, so yes. <laughs> she can't line of succession. But yeah, that was one thing I remember when I first saw the track list of positions. Is that I was really surprised that she is she's not collaborated with Nicki Minaj in a little while. They have not. They ha I think the last time they collaborated together was The, the Light is Coming. Which... Well, Nicki Minaj is um, busy doing yes, other things. she's busy doing other things. But, but they do, I credit where it's due, mm -hmm. Nicki and Ari have phenomenal chemistry. They do they have phenomenal. Really, they know how to play off each other very well. Yes. So that's why she came to mind. Yeah, I, she probably would pick Nicki Minaj. Yeah. That's, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Well, like Doja's. Doja's oh, her new BFF. Yeah. She picked Doja. I, yeah, no, I mean, Doja's everywhere, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Doja gives me more, like, Secretary of Education vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, I do, in my, like, dream all pop star uh, government edition, mm -hmm. like, I really want to see, like, a Supreme Court mm -hmm. that has, like, Elton John, Madonna, Mariah, Whitney. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I want all those folks, like, on the Supreme Court. Yeah. And then, like, you get, like, the young upstarts, like, in, mm -hmm. in, um, in the cabinet. Yes. But yeah, I think an Ariana Grande presidency would be exciting. Yeah. I actually, depending on who she was up against and how, you know, she campaigned and did in the debates, I would actually consider voting for Ariana Grande. Yeah. At this point, now that we're this far down the alternate timeline, mm -hmm. why not? No, I would no. be curious. I think Ariana Grande does a really great job of uh, listening mm -hmm. to people. And I think that she, you know, has surrounded herself with a lot of um, positive people that really have her back, which is something a lot of people in her position in mm -hmm. her position mm -hmm. have not figured out. So yeah. I do, I do think like I, I think she could make some really great progressive reforms, yeah. and she has charisma and mm -hmm. a large following. Uh -huh. So I think she could get the buy-in mm -hmm. needed. Yeah, but yeah, I think she's a one-term. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I don't think she's in it for the eight years. I don't. I think I, she's gonna be mm -hmm. she's gonna be done after yeah. after the fourth year for sure for sure so here we are track 13 obvious this is actually the song i think she was trying to make with love language yes this is so much better oh yes it's fun it bounces 
it both is tongue in cheek and plays on her insecurity, but also really centralizes her mm-hmm. as in control. Mm-hmm. And that that's a good song. It's it's fun. Her her voice does fun things. It moves. It keeps up the energy of positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love her delivery of it. Just how she starts off, just very direct and to the point. I like the taste of you in the morning. And yeah, I feel like it's a song. A lot of these songs on positions are kind of like in that two and a half, three minute range in terms of length. And I feel like Obvious is perhaps the best example of using that kind of window of time most effectively. Like my kind of biggest issue with songs like My Hair and Nasty and West Side is that so they just feel so sparse and that there's just a lot of kind of filler especially with my hair that there is 30 seconds of instrumental in a two and a half minute song but i feel like obvious really makes the most of the time that ariana gives to the song it's punchy it's direct it's super catchy and it's just fun again i feel like it's another really good encapsulation of just kind of what this album really is about and what i feel like she's trying to get at on other songs in kind of these kind of like vague kind of like half-assed like metaphors like west side and my hair and all of that you know it feels like it the message of the song is obvious but it's i don't know it's just fun it's direct it's i i really like it i remember when positions first came out this was the song that i gravitated to the most that i that was on repeat for me and it's still one of my favorites from this album one of my favorite Ariana deep cuts. I really love it. I really love it. I think it's a line of best fit yeah. in this album too. Mm-hmm. Like I think it captures all the things. Like when you think about what it, what makes positions the album, positions the album. Yeah, those elements are really present on Obvious. Yeah, I. It's a really strong track. It belongs here. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're on to the closing track of the regular album. We're also going to be talking about the bonus tracks. This is the official album closer, track 14, POV. And Arrestingly Beautiful, is that a fair description of this song? I I feel like this is one of those songs that a lot of people I've talked to about Ariana Grande or this album. Like, you remember where you were the mm-hmm. first time you heard this song. It is gorgeous and something that you've really never heard before, which is surprising that, you know, a pop ballad by a pop star on a pop album, Mm -hmm. that there's more areas to explore and perspectives to take. But Mm -hmm. this song is really all about wanting to see yourself Mm -hmm. as someone who's madly in love with you sees you. And of course, this is a love song. I'm sure this is directed at... Don Gomez, which, what a compliment. If yeah. someone wrote this song about me and my love, I would oh, feel yes. like I was doing something right. Same here. But, I mean, beyond that, I think, just thinking about, like, what do I look like to someone who's madly in love with me, real or not? Yeah. Like, what a great way to see yourself. And oh, it's, yeah. it's so creative mm-hmm. and touching. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's a, a gorgeous moment. And mm-hmm. I... I believe that this song is going to continue to be... Like, this is the signature song, I yeah. think, from this era. POV is not going to go out of fashion. It's it's going to be a timeless song that she's singing at her residency when she's mm-hmm. 70 years old. Yeah. 
And I think we're already beginning to see that impact is that I was watching a clip from The Voice uh, earlier this week where a contestant sang this song and, obvi- and Ari uh, turned her chair around and they had a whole conversation about it. And the woman who was actually singing it did a beautiful job. But I think this has by far cemented itself as just the standout from this album through and through. Like what a fucking closer like in terms of just really just beautifully summing up i feel like there's a lot of different kind of themes and ideas that are explored kind of different aspects of sex and romance and intimacy and this just comes together and it's it's beautiful i feel like this is an all-timer for for ariana i feel like definitely i think there are some solid deep cuts on here i think again positions is one of her strongest lead singles but thinking about what is going to be like a staple within ariana's catalog like what song are people going to remember from this era the most kind of this the position not that i want to compare it to thank you next but thinking about like what is this era's thank you next i feel like it's pov it's pov it's just it's beautifully done and you can just the way that i think her voice the orchestral flourishes i feel like it just all comes together and it just closes out on just such a beautiful moment and such a creative concept and the production there's like wait like it's kind of like midnight on the beach yeah there's the moon you Mm -hmm. like some kind of like the instagram filter on it probably like it it really paints such a vivid picture yeah and it and again so much of this album is Ariana, frankly, being really scared and insecure of how she feels about this new love. Like, she's digging it, but it's, it makes her uncomfortable to feel this way because she doesn't know if she can trust the feelings. She doesn't know if she can trust herself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like at this moment, she's saying, okay, I do trust myself because you trust me. Yeah. And, you know, I know the lines are like, I, I want to trust me the way that you trust me. But yeah. it really feels like after going through this whole album, that is the spot that she's either gotten to or she's very close to getting to. And that's cool to see, particularly from someone who's experienced all these terrible things in the public eye the way that she has. And I think if there's any... Um, uh, commercial for therapy <laughs> in this in this album it would be mm-hmm. this track I yeah. I don't see how you could listen to it and not find it to just be a, a a great song that's really meaningful that you haven't heard before yeah absolutely absolutely again just such a great closer I'm so glad this is the final track I think just an ingenious decision and when Ariana uh, specified that she a lot of thought went into this track ranking. I'm really glad that again, this was this is the end of the standard album, and it's great. I can't wait to see her perform it live, and I'm hoping it works her way in whatever tour. If she decides to do a positions tour, I'd be very interested to see what a positions tour would actually look like. Well, she did say in mm-hmm. the Zach Sang interview that. Mm-hmm she really liked touring Sweetener and Thank You Next together. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, I might just release another album and then do positions and whatever that is together. Which I think is a great idea too. Because then you can have more dynamic set lists and she probably doesn't need to waste anyone's time with West Side and (laughs) (laughs) there will be other songs to to fill in. So Yeah, for sure. I would expect 
she's probably going to do that, but mm-hmm. who knows? Things change. Who knows? Things do change, but yes. Ariana, whenever you're ready to announce your next tour, I will be there ready to buy tickets. So I'll say one of the bigger missed opportunities of this era is that POV doesn't have an official music video. Uh... I'm not really sure why. It mm-hmm. seems like other people have found ways to film music videos in the pandemic. But in any case, there is a very cute lyric video um, that includes um, uh, two men, I believe, in, in some kind of love dance, um, which it's cool to see Ariana continuing to support the LGBT. QIA plus community and I I love that in the styling in the video like so often gay romances and gay people are overly sexualized yeah but they're both kind of wearing like regular regular clothes mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's just very cute and touching and fun um and and artful so yeah. I mean if, if we're not going to get a real music video that's a, a nice placeholder yeah I honestly I am I am perfectly happy with that being the music video I had never seen it before today and I was very touched by it it was very very sweet very moving it was kind of minimalist but I think in a really in the right way in the right way it was just very much about these these two men being in love with each other and expressing their love through motion, through dance. I enjoy dance as well, so that very much resonated with me and as a gay man, and of course resonated with me in that way as well. And so, yes, I, I really enjoyed it. And like, honestly, I kind of wish it was branded as the official music video. I remember hearing rumors that Ari was filming a POV music video and that it got scrapped. But I also hmm. heard this about another, a couple other songs. Uh, the song that Ariana and Demi did together, uh, Met Him Last Night, that apparently was supposed to get a music video and it got scrapped. So I'm, I don't, I don't know what Ariana song. She's from, busy. Uh, she's busy. <laughs> she's from this work past on the voice. She's, she's got to work on the voice. There's been a lot of discourse about which Ariana songs are getting music videos or had music videos in the works. And at this point, I kind of have just fallen out of touch. With that discourse. It's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. She's doing her thing on The Voice. I am happy for her. I may actually finally start watching The Voice just to watch her, but we shall see. And also, uh, I would say POV would be credited as a, a minor chart hit. It um, uh, ended up launching at number 40, I think, on the initial week of positions. And then it was released to adult contemporary radio as a single later on, and it has since peaked at number 27. So, um, not quite, not quite a chart topper, but, um, still a timeless song that I think has legs far beyond this era in Ariana Grande's career. Oh yes. It was also popular on TikTok for a while. So if Ariana Grande did do a POV music video, what would it be? Ooh. ooh. You know, it'd be really interesting to see. I would like to see Dalton Gomez in the video. Well, yeah. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. seems like he had, and he yeah. has some good ideas. Yeah, yeah. he has he some good ideas. Yeah, the I White like. House thing. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know exactly how he would be involved. I could see. I know for Ariana's wedding, she had a very intimate, very private ceremony. I know she's posted a little about a little bit about it on social media, and I know she intentionally wanted to keep that aspect of her life very private but it would be i think it would be very cute to be able to see like little wedding videos or just videos from their daily life if she felt so comfortable as to share that i think that would be 
I don't know. I think that would be really, I think that'd be really sweet and really genuine. And I think the, since the song is so much about their relationship, I think that could be an interesting direction to go in. But I also really love that the direction that she took with the lyric video, I don't think she has to be in it. Because I think while it's very much about her and her relationship, I think it's also really universal. And I think the perspective it takes is really unique. And it kind of hits on this truth. And of something that I think we all kind of want in a sense as, you know, being able to see ourselves through the lens of someone else. And sometimes I feel like we get very much caught up in other people's perceptions of us and having that perception be negative. But I think this kind of flips the script and thinking about what if that perception is really positive and what that's like and applying that external love to yourself and being able to view yourself through someone else. So I feel like there's there's a lot of ways you could go. I feel like, I don't know, using like mirror imagery or something like that. I don't know. That could be fun. Yeah, I mean, when I envision what the music video would look like, I honestly don't even want her to make one. Yeah. I think the message of the song is powerful enough, and I mm-hmm. think if she did do a music video, it would be kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the song isn't, you know, big and dancey, and I think just knowing what she would probably put together is it would just be, you know, her looking cute on a beach or in an, in a, a room with, like, flowy fabric or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. I... I, I think yeah there's is there is there anything there with mirrors and perspective taking like are there areas I maybe like a powerful political satire that again she doesn't need to be in necessarily but just showing how misunderstandings uh, race class gender expression there's probably something there that could be really powerful but again I don't think that that's what this position's era which I know Ariana Grande hates mm-hmm. <laughs> being defined by eras, but mm-hmm. for yeah. lack of a better term. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's what Positions is about. I think yeah. Positions is meant to come and go and mm-hmm. soundtrack maybe the more average parts of your life or the parts of your life that are going well. This isn't an mm-hmm. album to go to if you're trying to get through a heartbreak or if something really heavy is happening in your life. And that's, it's good that there's different types of art out there. And yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> All that to say, I don't know what I would make of the POV music video, and I will be just fine if one never gets made. So then we've got there's one, two, three, four, five bonus tracks, but I guess one is a remix of a yeah. track that was already on there, and one is an interlude. So there's three realized ish songs and an interlude and a remix. Yes. I. Don't think there's anything here that is essential Ariana Grande. I Mm. really don't. I do think that some of these songs, we've got Someone Like You, which is the interlude, Test Drive, uh, Worst Behavior, and Main Thing. I think these are better songs than West Side. They're better songs than My Hair. Yeah. But nothing essential is missing. It sounds like... She's kind of said all that she's going to say this era, and these are little addendums that mm-hmm. were stuck on if you needed, if you wanted more plays on Spotify, really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, again, I remember when she announced Positions Deluxe and being like, oh yeah, what what is she going to serve with these bonus tracks? Because I don't think she... I feel like Ariana is not a huge bonus track artist. Like, I don't really remember there being bonus tracks for Sweetener, Thank You, Next. I feel like there maybe were some with Dangerous Woman. But 
I, I know she's not a huge bonus track artist, which is why initially I was very intrigued, which I think she released the deluxe version in like March of this year, because I know she released the vinyl in April. So it was like during that time. And yeah, I feel like none of these are really super memorable or special. I think my favorite out of them is Worst Behavior, which I really like that song. It kind of, it reminds me of a more mature, more grown up, yours truly era sound. It in particular reminded me of her track, Baby Eye. And I, I really liked it. It ranks pretty high in my individual ranking. But yeah, other than that, like there's some... Nice little instrumental flourishes like Test Drive, I think is kind of fun and punchy, but it feel a lot of these songs just kind of feel like interludes. Literally one of them is with someone like you, but I feel like, you know, a lot of these kind of could have just been left on the cutting room floor. I feel like worst behavior, it could have been, it could have made it into the main track list. I would take off West Side or I would take off my hair and I would put worst behavior in there. But yeah, a lot of these are not super, super memorable, or I feel like tracks that I'm really going to come back to at any point, or I can't even really imagine any inspiring any sort of larger discourse within the Arianators fan base. Yeah, I, I don't want to dismiss someone yeah. like you as an interlude. I thought that as an interlude, it actually was pretty strong. And I like that the bonus track started with this interlude because POV does feel like such a final note on the album. It's nice to have some transitional time and she sounds pretty on it. Uh, I agree with you. Worst Behavior is my favorite of the bonus tracks. It's sloppy. Like, lyrically, it doesn't really make much sense. But I, I think it it's sonically interesting to listen to. I was reading that Main Thing is in the same key as Safety Net and is, ah. like, trying to mm -hmm. be a continuation of Safety Net. And mm -hmm. there was, like, speculation because... Safety Net quotes In My Head, which is a track mm -hmm. on Thank You Next. Yeah. And so, like, that that In My Head goes to Safety Net, goes to Main Thing. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, I would like Main Thing to live up to those two <laughs> songs. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't, really. But I there's nothing offensive here. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Test Drive is puzzling. Like, I... I don't think Ariana... Does Ariana know how to drive? Like, I, <laughs> did she go to driver's ed? Like, I I think she did. She mentions driving on uh, Just Like Magic, so... I well, the did. metaphor doesn't work on yeah. test drive at mm -hmm. all. I'm sorry. <laughs> My notes, it says, I'll take it over love language, but it's not great. <laughs> yeah. And and the, the 34 35 remix is probably the most notable of these songs, which we've already talked about. A lot of them are just kind of there. They're there to up her Spotify stream count. And yeah. if you're a hardcore fan and we're into this album, the vibe, mm. the vibe yeah. stays consistent. Yes, the vibe continues. It's a fun little epilogue or some fun little Easter eggs for... All the position stands out there. The Arianators. The Arianators. That has got to be in the top five worst fan names. Oh, yes. That is atrocious. <laughs> Arianators? Mm -hmm. Come on. It's, it's It couldn't be like the Grande Squad. The, the like, Grande that would be Squad. Better. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. So, now that we have kind of gone through the album as a whole, we've talked about every single track on positions now quinn and i are going to 
bring you our combined ranking. So this was taken from both my individual ranking of the songs on position and Quinn's. Also, Quinn, do you want to explain a little bit about the point system that you use? Yeah, so we merged our two lists and then gave points. There's 18 songs. Actually, there's 19 songs, but we have combined 34, 35, and the remix. So there's 18 tracks that we ranked. And we gave 18 points to number one, we gave one point to number 18, and we combined those scores together, and this is the order we came up with. And I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> it works for me. Yeah, it works for me too. So Blake, what is what is number 18? What's the worst song? Uh, number 18 is, it's gonna be West Side. What, what? And it's gonna, sorry West Side, you're at the bottom. No <laughs> points for you. <laughs> And then number 17, we have Someone Like You, which I, I think if it were a longer, more developed song, it probably would have gotten higher, but it was already yeah. better than West Side at like 90 seconds. So yeah, <laughs> that tells For you sure. something. For sure. If it was not, I feel like just as uh, something that... For me, in terms of how I rank albums, I always put interludes and at the bottom just by default, even no matter their quality, just because that they are not full songs, unless they're like a minute and like 45 seconds, unless they're like really, really polished, I will consider putting them in there. But just often I put someone like you at the very bottom just because it is an interlude. And so, yep, yeah, that's, but I think it's solid. It works as an interlude. Again, it's just not a full song. So that's why I put it at the bottom. And so that takes us to number 16, which is Nasty. I feel like we've already covered the weaknesses of the West Side Nasty, my hair, kind of back-to-back-to-back placement on this album. Yeah, I feel like not, not super strong. Not super strong. Yeah, and number 15 is my hair. I actually pushed for my hair to be above Nasty because I thought the production was better. Yeah. So... We can leave these tracks at the bottom. Yeah. So for number 14, we have Test Drive. So again, not the worst song on Positions. Not not bad by any means. I actually, I've listened to it like several times in the last week and I don't even remember how it sounds. Yeah, it's just, (laughs) it's kind of forgettable. It's kind of forgettable. Then we have at number 13, the the dizzying love (laughs) language. Saved by the beat. Yes, yeah, saved by the beat. And... <laughs> or killed by the beat, depending yes. on which, which side of the coin you fall on. Mm-hmm. Are you a Blake or are you a Quinn? But... <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and then, uh, so we have, and then at number 12, we have Main Thing, which, again, I when we were initially compiling our rankings together, I forgot to include <laughs> Main Thing in our initial ranking, which I feel like kind of attests to... The overall quality of the bonus tracks. I actually remember it more than Test Drive. Because all I remember about Test Drive is that it's a terrible metaphor, but... I can't remember. I feel like I remember Test Drive more because of the instrumental. That could be. I don't know. And then we've got number 11. <laughs> it's 6.30. I said no. We're putting <laughs> this... This can't go in the top 10. Yep, and then rounding out the top 10 is Shut Up, which I think is number 10 in my personal ranking as well. That's a good so, spot for yeah, it. That's a good spot for it. I like Shut Up. And then nine, we have Worst Behavior, yep. the strongest of the bonus tracks. For sure, for sure. And then at number eight, we have 3435. Which was kind of, I was expecting it to end up higher. Yeah. But I, I don't hate it there. Yeah. 
Seven, we've got the groovy motive. Mm-hmm. And then at number six, we have Just Like Magic. Which is, you are completely yeah. responsible for yes, that Yes, I am very <laughs> responsible for how, how high it is. Number five, we've got the title track, Positions. I mean, this top five, I think, is actually very strong. Oh, Positions, yes. Positions, Positions welcomes in the top five well. Yes, for sure. Yep, Positions rounding out our top five. And at number four, we have Obvious. It's a bop. It's a bop. It's a bop. I feel like... And I do... Yeah. We didn't talk about this before. I love how the outro mm-hmm. goes really well into POV yes, from there. that is When you're true. listening to Obvious on its own, it's kind mm-hmm. of jarring the yeah. way the outro does it, but mm-hmm. in sequence in the album, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, three is my baby, Safety Net. Mm-hmm. Um, good to see that Safety Net made it up so high. It's yeah. just... It's a great song. I it's listen very to it all good. the time. It's good. It's good. And then at number two, so we have our final two, we have... Off the table, of course, Quinn and I sung the praises of this duet enough in our individual breakdown of it, but we love it. We it's, love it. it was a surprise for me to see mm-hmm. it end up this high, but I'm not upset mm-hmm. about it. And yeah. I do think it's a song that I'm going to keep going back to because it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot to discover in it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of nooks and crannies. And then uh, much like our previous uh, ranking of Breakaway, w- there was a consensus number one. We both put POV mm-hmm. as the top dog. I don't think I don't think there's any more to even say. It's yeah. just a gorgeous song that mm-hmm. um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it ages and uh, what Ariana does with it. Yeah. throughout her career from this point forward for sure i would honestly put it probably put it in my top 10 favorite ariana songs oh it's easily it's easily up there and i think it's among the best things she's ever done yeah uh i, I really would have to sit and look at her whole discography but uh mm-hmm. it's hard to argue with pov as yeah. a potential best song from for sure. ariana grande yes so, Blake, this is the last word we've gotten from Ariana Grande in, in the form of studio albums. So what do you think is next? What what aspects of this album do you think are going to carry forward? Um, what types of things would you like to hear from Ariana in the future? What areas of this album do you hope are not explored <laughs> again? That is a great question. That is a great question and one that I am honestly have not thought about a whole lot you know i think you know she's probably going to be occupied with the voice for the next little bit of time so we know where she's going to be but in terms of stylistically i think positions was again not what i expected from thank you next so i feel like i can't even really say what i can necessarily what we're necessarily going to get from ariana but i think honestly i i do like r&b on her i would like to see her kind of continue with it i would like her to again flesh out kind of filling that space it feels like again there were kind of a lot of moments on positions where it felt kind of lyrically or instrumentally sparse i would feel like i'd like to see something a little tighter i think in terms of maybe her doing like a 10 track album or maybe even an ep like i feel like a lot of like major pop stars don't really release like eps nowadays and so i feel like that could be really fun And so I feel like I would be interested to see her do something that's a little more condensed, have it be a little bit more cohesive, something that doesn't really have a deluxe component to it. But I think sonically, I really like the direction she's in right now. It feels very appropriate where she is in her life. I know that she is very happy, happy with Dalton Gomez, happy with her job on The Voice. 
And so I think definitely, I think not every album that she has to put out is going to be a thank you next. And I'm okay with that. And I would love to see just, you know, some more kind of light, upbeat, kind of fun, flirty stuff like this. It could be about sex. It doesn't, it could be about newly married life. It could be, you know, it could be more singer songwritery. It could be more kind of stripped back and intimate and raw or whatever, whatever she does. I'm, I'm open, I'm open to it, but I really like the intimacy she kind of puts forth on positions. And I feel like it's definitely something I want to see her carry over into her next project, especially if she were to tour positions with her next album. I think it would be interesting to see how the, those two albums would complement to each other. And I think it would also be really cool is this is something that one of my pop idols, Lord, is doing with her Solar Power tour for 2022, where she toured her sophomore mellow her sophomore album Melodrama in big arenas, and she was very vocal about the fact that she did not want to do that, but that was more so at the discretion of her management. And for her next album, she very much so wanted to do a more intimate tour, and so she decided to do like outdoor venues, she wanted to do theaters, she wanted to do smaller spaces and not so much arenas. And I know Ariana has even done this in the past, where for Sweetener, she partnered with American Express and she held Sweetener sessions where she essentially played the album in full at really small venues across the country. And it was a really cool experience. I know she performed here in the, she performed here in Chicago at the Vic Theater back in 2018. And so that's like a very, very small venue, like a thousand people. I have never been there, but it would be really cool. I don't know. I like very, very much so also enjoy just how artists plan concert tours, the kind of venues that they play, how, all the thought process that goes into it. So from a touring and concert perspective, when she feels she is ready to tour again and what albums she decides to tour, I would love to see something smaller. I would love to see her have fans the opportunity to see her at a more intimate venue. And so those are just a couple of the things that I'd like to see from Miss Grande in the future. Yeah, I've never really thought about what an Ariana Grande, like, stripped-back acoustic album would sound like. That would be very interesting. In terms of what I think is going to be the, the carryover from this album... I think lyrically, she really has kind of already entered this very conversational, informal writing style that seems to be really her trademark that uh, I, I think is birthed from a lot of the Thank You Next foundation that was laid. So I think her songs are going to continue to feel very um, casual and impersonal, or not impersonal, personal. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong word. <laughs> Very casual, very personal, very close. And I, I think that that's a lot of how she's been able to foster the, these relationships she has with her fans. So I'm definitely looking to see, I think, the next Ariana Grande project, whatever that may be, will feature this same type of songwriting. I, I Again, I think vocal stacking is something that she's done a lot previously and is going to continue to do beyond here. I think the aesthetic of leaning into the 60s is also not new territory for her by any means. She's uh, definitely used that aesthetic before, but I do think the look and vibe and slickness of positions, mm -hmm. imagery and marketing is going to live on in the Ariana Grande brand. Um, I'm definitely, I'm hesitant to say this because I had a lot of issues with the song, My Hair, but 
there are glimmers of I could see her having a really great run doing like a Tony Bennett collab <laughs> album uh, similar to Lady Gaga and uh, mm-hmm. Tony Bennett. So like that could be cool. I would be down to see that. I'm also down if she wants to like go beyond Broadway for a role or she's so versatile and has yeah. all these cool talents. I'm not really sure... I see her lasting a long time as a judge on The Voice. I, that seems like a one season and done kind of deal. Yeah. Um, particularly for someone who's as, you know, in demand and at the height of success and in her career that Ariana Grande is at. I think Kelly Clarkson, Blake Shelton, and John Legend are all at a, mm-hmm. a much more stable kind of plateau. Whereas yeah. Ariana Grande, I think, has a lot more to say as she's in her peak. And... Yeah, I also think that whatever she puts out is going to be really um, authentic and sincere to the spot that she's in. You know, this romance with Dalton Gomez, it sounds like kind of caught her by surprise and positions caught the fans by surprise. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens in her life. Hopefully not another stadium bombing or death of someone close to her. That would be nice. But... Yeah, I think whatever her next project is is going to be really dictated by what she feels in the moment. And I think that's a cool thing about her artistry and something I like a lot. I also, uh, I love her willingness to hop on tracks with other women. I'd love to see a collab with Dua Lipa in the future. I'd love to see a collab with... um, Really, I mean, name a female pop star. I think Ariana Grande could find a way to merge... Yeah. their styles she together. was able to merge miley cyrus and lana del rey together for don't call me angel which, which i mean some was argue not, was not the it was not successful it's not a, <laughs> she tried it so i actually do like that song. i do like that song and i know that she also for the charlie's angel soundtrack i have not listened to that soundtrack or seen that movie but i know that she had a big hand in producing that soundtrack and she wrote and you know she sang a lot of those songs and helped with the production of them so that I think that's something that could be interested too if she wanted to if there was another film project that she was particularly passionate about taking the hands in sort of more of a composer or sort of producer role and Well and curate- Charlie's Angels was not a huge success. I could yeah. see her maybe trying her hand at that in a couple mm. of years, knowing a little bit more and having a little bit more experience yeah. and really heading up a, a blockbuster movie soundtrack. Oh, for sure. I'm also ready, I think the world is ready for the Cardi B, Ariana Grande collaboration, so. <laughs> yeah. Someone please. Mm-hmm. And if Rihanna ever sings again. Oh, yes. Please. <laughs> please. That would be I don't incredible. even want to put that out there, the thought. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of really interesting directions that she could take. Uh, again, we don't know how Positions is going to age, but a year out, I think it's... It's occupying a fun space in her discography. I don't think when people are going to rank all her albums, this is going to be the number one. But there can only be one number one. So I think that's just fine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Blake, any other takes about Positions? Not that I can think of. I will never think about this album ever again. Nope, throw it out. We're done with it. Yes. But yeah, I don't have any other takes, Blake, so I, I think all that's left, really, is to mm-hmm. announce where are we going next? Where are we going next? So... So, next week, we're taking a journey. We're going all the way back to my birth year, 1996, and we will be doing a deep dive of a one Miss Celine Dion's Falling Into You. 
Any any thoughts about Miss Celine? Are you excited I, about this? I, I know you I haven't was, heard this album. Yes, before. I have not heard this album, so this will be my first time. I know of Celine. I know her biggest hits. I know my heart will go on. I know the big, the big, big, big ones. But Who doesn't this, know my heart will go on? Like I feel how like how would you have missed that? <laughs> I feel like if you were born past like two thousand two, it would be very easy to miss. How sad. What a moment. But that, My Heart Will Go On is not yeah. on Falling Into You. It is not on. Because Titanic came out in 1997. So it could not have been on there. But, yeah, I am, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to do a deep dive. This is an album that, I, again, I am not super familiar with. An artist I am not super familiar with. So I am excited to really uncover what Miss Dion has to offer me for the very first time. And this is our first Canadian. Too. Yes, so our first Canadian. And Canadians, particularly in the last couple years, have had a really outsized influence on the music industry. You've got mm-hmm. Bieber, yeah. The Weeknd, Drake. Yeah. These are all all-star Canadians. All-star so Canadians. We're, we're going back to the OG Canadians <laughs> on the charts. Indeed. Uh, hello, hello, Blake here. Uh, this is just a note from Quinn and myself during the editing process. Uh, we lost the final little bit of audio from when we recorded this episode, which included our little outro. So this is us adding, uh, adding it in now. So thank you so much for listening to our episode on Positions by Ariana Grande. It was so much fun to record. I think both of us had a really wonderful time revisiting that album and diving back into it. And again, thank you so much to everyone who listened to Breakaway. Uh, Quinn and I just truly have a blast recording these episodes together. So thank you so much for supporting our little passion project. It really does mean the world to us. And we will soon have episodes on uh, Celine Dion's Falling Into You and Britney Spears' Blackout coming up soon. So that's what you can look forward to from the Pop Maestros. But yeah, thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week.